0: Coming up on Something Is About To Happen. How did Adam know he was naked? He was always naked, but because of his relationship with God, God had covered him with glory through which you cannot see. But once the enemy had beguiled him and his wife, Adam recognized the nakedness because the glory had departed. Consider my subject this morning as you ask three or four people, who are you? Do you know who you are? Who are you? Who are you? Seeds are very powerful things because of the inherent potential that they carry. That little as they are, they often can be disdain, but if you leave them to die or participate in the process of killing them, what you do is you actually raise a forest. Let's also understand that the seed is very important, but on its own it can really not amount to much. It needs soil. The soil is actually the resource for the tree but it needs a seed to come as a program to program the soil and to uptake the soil and then synthesize all that soil into a mighty tree and from one seed you get a tree from one tree you get a forest from a forest you have a total sub-region called subtropical fauna hallelujah to god but the power of the seed is is really not the, the thing I want to talk about too much today. It's the quality of the soil. Since the quality of soil matters, what was Adam? God wanted an earth populated and he wanted that population to spread and cover the whole earth. And so what he did is he planted a garden eastward in Eden. So you have the garden, you have Eden, you have the east, and then you have the world. And he took man and he also planted man eastward in the garden of Eden and said attend to all of this and cause it to grow till it covers the whole earth. But Adam in seeing the seed grow for when God planted, he planted seed. In seeing the seed grow, he began to recognize that he also was a seed. He was in fact the seed of God. Uh, He was uh, the seed of God sowed in good soil. Uh, The only problem uh, was that the seed uh, was corrupted before there was procreation, before multiplication began. And it requires me now to quickly talk to you about um, the creation of man and how did God create man? Why did he create man? He wanted man to be his regent on earth. He wanted man uh, to operate the earth the way that God the Father operates the universe. He wanted man to control The earth in God's stead, in God's manner, and in God's way, the way that the Father controls the heavens. The Bible tells us that the heavens belong to the Lord, even the highest heavens, but the earth has He given to the children of men. Simply put, God had established His authority and His glory in the heavens, and He now wanted somebody like Himself with whom He could have fellowship because they would be similar on every point, and so He fashioned one after his own kind and put in that one after his own kind the ability to be like God uh, to operate like God and to be the image of God so that everything God could do in heaven man could do on earth everything God is in heaven man was on earth God was invisible but man was visible creation could not see God but creation could see man hallelujah to God so that man then was not mankind kind, man was God kind. He was the type of God. So that when creation saw man, creation wanted to worship man. Creation gave their obedience to man. Lions, tigers, bears, killer whales or killer sharks, they obeyed man. Man knew each of them by name. He knew their constitution. He knew their potential, knew their ability. They were exactly what he called them to be. And this man was meant to procreate after his kind. And his kind at that time was God kind. He was so much like God. Unfortunately, the deceiver came along, beguiled Adam's wife, and she uh, seduced Adam into the fall. And the consequence of the fall was that Adam fell from the glory. We know he fell from the glory because as he fell, he felt a certain nakedness. He felt ashamed. He felt embarrassed. He felt like I'm completely naked now. Um, all my flaws and my privacy is completely gone. And, and he went and hid himself and cut fig leaves from a fig tree and used the fig leaves to make aprons for himself and his wife. And when God accosted him and searched for him, God asked him and said, why did you hide yourself? Uh, he said, because I was naked. He said, who told you that you were naked? Can I pause for a moment? How did Adam know he was naked? He was always naked, but because of his relationship with God, God had covered him with glory through which you cannot see. But once the enemy had beguiled him and his wife, Adam recognized the nakedness because the glory had departed. The glory will not depart from your life. If you are a believer, I declare it over you. The gifts and the callings of God are without revocation. Glory to God. But because Adam had heard from somebody who he should never have been listening to he saw a nakedness and as a result he hid instead of defending his wife from the wrath of God and because he failed to defend her from the wrath of God instead he died with her in the wrath of God he failed to become the first redeemer so God had to bring a second redeemer now known to us as the last man Adam because one seed failed in its plan, God had to raise another seed. And unfortunately, what Adam did was he procreated after the fall. And so all he reproduced was mankind, not godkind. As a result, colonizing the whole earth that already had the prince of darkness in it because he had fallen somewhere between verse 1 and verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1. And the result of that was there was now contest and everybody on earth tended always toward evil and so we had so many catastrophes and calamities the nephilim uh, entered into the daughters of men and they sired giants that were so mighty and god was so distraught with them that he wiped out the whole human race and saved only noah and his family and noah now became another adam not the last adam but another adam and he was now to procreate so that a righteous seed could come through his lineage and from that lineage from the line of shem abraham was eventually sired and god said i will choose this man even though he was ensconced in idol worship amongst uh, stargazers sorcerers ne- necromancers and the like and god called me said come out of your father's house from your kingdom, from your country and let me take you to a land that i will show you and there i'm going to do eight enormous blessings in your life And that's where we get the priestly clan and tribe from known as Israel. Hallelujah. Hmm. Selah. Think about it. Going forward, what then happens is God now has to introduce into the earth. And all through the old canon, we haven't come to the old covenant yet. That's the fifth covenant all through the old canon every heave offering wave offering uh, seed offering burnt offering animal sacrifice all spoke about this last man adam and he named him after abraham and called him the seed of abraham but he was really the seed of god when adam and eve had fallen something interesting happens god now pronounces judgments on the man, on the soil, on the serpent, and on the woman. These judgments were not all bad, but some of them were. One of the things he says in Genesis 3 and verse 15, I want you to look at it closely, I will put enmity between the woman and the serpent, and between the woman's seed and the serpent's seed. The woman's seed shall bruise the head of the serpent and uh, the the serpent will bruise the heel of the woman's seed this is the only time that you see God refer to seed as seed of the woman seed is normally the seed of the man for example Abraham's seed that was the seed of a man but here he's saying it's not Abraham's seed this is going to be uh, the seed of the woman why does he say that? Because seed is the preserve of the male. Spermatozoa is the seed of the man. Hallelujah. And it is a typification of the seed of God. Now, if man was going to put seed into the woman who was going to produce a seed that would bruise the head of the serpent, then that seed would be completely human. Yes, Hallelujah. But now, that seed does not emanate from a man. Yes, <laughs> And so, uh, though the seed draws its nutrients from the ground, and the ground in this case is the woman, uh, the seed's program programs all of that human protoplasm not for humanity merely, but for deity or what we call divinity. So that for the first time in all of creation, we have a different creation from the original creation that's why the Bible tells us in Paul's read that if any man be in Christ behold he's a new creature in other words he's not the original creation this is new creation I want you to look at four people and tell them you are not like everybody else since we're asking the question who are you you are not like the guy on the street who does not have Christ in him and who is not in Christ you are different You are created at a different time under a different order by a different system you are different you look exactly the same you you have the same outer human protoplasm but what's inside you is different from them that's why you shouldn't expect to have what they have you have more you have better you have things on another level you come from a different country you have a different king you have a different atmosphere you have a different system that governs your life you are not like everybody else oh. hallelujah yeah. hallelujah yeah. hallelujah yeah. when they bear another type of person that is not the new creation under the abyss of failure, degradation, cataclysm, hell and all its hordes. They are buried and they are not likely to come up. But when they bury you, the undertaker is turned instantly into a farmer because what they don't realize is that you carry the seed. Whilst the others have no seed, you have the seed. And what makes seed grow is when you're planted in the ground, uh, it is programmed uh, to turn ashes into beauty, mourning into dancing, pain into power, misery into ministry, grief into glory. It's programmed uh, to draw the strength from all the mess and synthesize it into the planting of the Lord. Oak trees of righteousness to use a metaphor. The skeptics may critique and say, who does this man Jesus think that he is, that he he forgives sin? Because only God can forgive sin. And he openly says, your sins are forgiven you. And he tells his apostles that whose sins you remit are remitted. The reason why he said that was he was about to go and remit all sins on the cross a a couple of years later. So only God has the power to forgive sins and and the power of redemption. Ephesians 1 verse 7 in whom we have redemption have, have, have. Not you're going to get it. We have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. You're not going to get redemption and get forgiveness of sins. You have it. You have it. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 the writer declares there but thou Bethlehem Ephrata though you are little among the thousands of the tribe of Judah yet out of you that region shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. He's speaking of Christ. Whose going forth didn't begin at Mary's womb. Whose goings forth have been from old from everlasting. He was the pillar of cloud by day. He was the pillar of fire by night. Uh, He was the the typification of the animal that was slain to give bloody coats of skin to Adam and Eve. He was the the blast of the nostril of God that opened up the canals of the Red Sea that Israel could have a passage forward. He was the captain of the Lord's host that appeared to Joshua. He was the fire in the bush uh, uh, out of which the angel of God spoke to Moses about his calling and mandate for the deliverance and emancipation and nationhood of the clan of Jacob. He was the sundial of Hezekiah. He was the wheel within a wheel that Ezekiel saw. He was the lamb caught in the thicket when Abraham was about to kill his son and he stepped up to the plate and shouted to him from heaven, I was only testing you. And Abraham turned and he saw a ram caught by its thorns or horns in the thicket. He was showing Abraham the gospel that instead of you rightly dying for your sins, I'm going to take your place. I will provide myself Myself as the Lamb. Uh, hear me friend of God. Uh, God sent me here to tell somebody this Sunday morning you are not like everybody else. Uh, did you not know that when God wanted to see himself uh, he decided to make himself an animated mirror image. Uh, so that when he wanted to look at his pulchritude, uh, his wisdom, uh, his might, uh, his majesty, his power, his dominion, his creativity. He made men- in his likeness and in his image and encapsulated man inside himself for man essentially would be like God God is breath God is spirit and he made man also to be spirit but because he was going to situate man not in the heavenlies alone he scooped down and picked up some clay shaped it into a fantastic phenomenon of human physiology and biology and (sighs) breathed into the nostrils of of the clay pot the breath of lives and instantly man became a living soul and their force and started operating just like God moving just like God operating just like God in dominion just like God so that everything in creation all the works of God's hands was in man's dominion and the way he commanded the seas the waters the animals God said yeah that's me yeah and when you want to see yourself stop looking at your neighbor don't keep up with the Joneses keep up with God that's where your self imaging comes from keeping up with God because when you see him you see yourself the fact is that Jesus did not originate at conception and this informs that there are other dynamics in play Because the mystery and the miracle of virgin birth and immaculate conception is that Jesus had an origin different from his conception in his mother's womb. He had to have preceded Mary and his entrance into Mary's womb. He existed before then. That's why when they asked him, he would say things to them uh, in the Greek. Before Abraham was, and I am means Jehovah in other words before I put on this jacket called human protoplasm I am God. not I was God I am God and I always is God the same yesterday today and forevermore and this is why I can trust in only Jesus for my salvation why because God is in Christ There are two types of life associated with Jesus Christ. The first type of life is human life, what we call creature life, created life, imparted life. Uh, We get this from our two immediate past progenitors. And to understand this life, all you have to do is follow the vital ancestry of the individual because that life is called derived life. Somebody passed it on to you, but its origin is in the primal creation or original progenitor known to us as Adam, into whom God breathed the breath of life lives into whom God breathed life that was multiplied uh, so much so that man became a living soul that created life is derived life and came down from Adam through Mary 42 generations to Jesus Christ hallelujah that's natural life that's human life that is created life that's creature life that's imparted life every human being has that but there's another kind of life that the creature life envelopes and embodies and that life is called creator life Uh, in other words uh, life that has no beginning and has no end that life is God himself and so Jesus received created life from only his mother. He had no biological father, so he received created life from his mother. But he also, amidst that created life, he has creator life, or what we call inherent life from his definite deity. If you want to understand that a little better, John in his epistles makes it quite clear. But let's look at John's gospel, the fifth chapter and the 26th verse, John 5 and 26. For as the father has life in himself, nobody gave it to him, nobody originated that life, he just has it. He has life in himself, so has he given it to the son to have life in himself. So Christ doesn't only have the life his mother gave him, he has the life of his father. How did it come? Because he is his father's seed. What is seed? Seed is word. Word is seed. Hallelujah. And he uses that metaphor of word as seed, seed as word Across the scriptures. It brings me to an important law called Mendel's Law. And Mendel's Law says, I quote, every individual is the sum total of the characteristics recessive or dominant in their immediate progenitors. In simple terms, uh, there is nothing in an individual that was not first in the peer of his parents or her parents. Everything in me, everything I have came biologically from the DNA of the combination of my mother and my father. Hallelujah. If Jesus Christ's mother and father were human, then we can assume according to Mendel's law that Jesus Christ would be 100% human and therefore impotent to deliver redemption and the forgiveness of sins to man, however, if he was the product of God and God, then he would be only God, and whilst he would have the power to deliver, he wouldn't have the empathy to connect that deliverance for our redemption. So, God had to find a way and made it so that uh, he was the product of God kind and mankind, and God kind plus mankind. Produces what we call God man, which is a bridge between God and man. Hallelujah. So he was man enough to empathize with our frail form, yet God enough to redeem and deliver. So in himself, Jesus has inherent life embodied in creature life, the life of God encased in the life of man, creator life enveloped in created life. And so So you have the gift wrap and that's all we saw, but from time to time he would flash the created life and touch a 12 year old girl and say Talitha Kuma and death needed no interpretation and the girl came back to life, hallelujah, creator life, hallelujah, Uh, a woman who had an issue of blood 12 years and was dying from it, saw him as her last chance, one chance had spent all her substance, lost her identity as a woman of status because of expenditure and hemorrhaging, giving out more than she was getting in. And she says in herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And kept saying it because everything was against her getting to him. She touched his garment whilst he is shoulder to shoulder with many of his disciples. And he says, who touched me? So oh God, there are many of us. Said no. When I said who touched me, I wasn't referring to my creature life I was referring to my creator life you're touching my creature life but you've missed completely in your very presence that my creator life was moving and he said where is she and she came she was completely healed he said daughter of Abraham your faith has made you whole there's a difference between healing and wholeness wholeness is a function of connectivity with creator life Not just benefiting from him but connecting to him hallelujah to god and she went away healed john 14 verse 8 to 10 and philip says unto him lord show us the father and we it will end the controversy for us and jesus said unto him have i been with you so long flashing the divinity in my humanity for so long and yet you don't know me philip He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? What he's saying to them is that there's enough power in Christ. That means now that back then there was enough power in him. And now there's enough power in you, believer, to turn the upside down world right side up. Look at it carefully in Colossians 2 verse 12. Uh, 13 14 and 15 12 13 14 and 15 buried with him in baptism wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised Christ from the dead next verse and you being dead in your sins formerly and the uncircumcision of your flesh has he now made a so you have that life with him having forgiven you some of your trespasses having forgiven you All of your trespasses, that does not mean historically, it means entirely. Hallelujah. Blotting out what? The penal code. The handwriting of ordinances that were against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Hallelujah. Next verse. Uh, And having spoiled... The operators of that code, the accusers of the brethren, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in his cross. Hallelujah, that means the penal code 613 requirements including the 10. He took them out of the way and God said I will no longer judge you according to a code. I will judge you differently. How I will judge you is I will judge my son on the cross for I will make him sin. Not commit sin but I'll make him become sin. And by making the perfectly righteous become sin. Do not also believe that through that I can make you the perfectly unrighteous the perfectly righteous ha, hallelujah where is your faith where is your faith let the redeemed of the Lord say so you are meant to shout I am the redeemed of the Lord I have forgiveness of sin I have redemption through his blood according to the riches of his grace I am just like Christ in my inner essence Hallelujah Glory to God So what did he do? He took the penal code and the penal code was Christ fulfilling the law nailed him to the cross and what were they doing pastor larry they were opening the gift wrap they were tearing at the gift box to reveal the gift the humanity was the gift wrap but the gift wrap was also god and once they tore it and shredded him Listen, when they lacerated him, it was brutal. I can't go into it. I'll leave that for next Sunday. They tore him up and it revealed the Christos. They took his body, not his inherent life. They took his envelope, not his creator life. They took his imparted life, not his eternal life off the cross. And his eternal life, the person of the Godhead, went down into Hades whilst his body went into the grave and collected the keys of death, hell, and the grave. That means anybody who believed on him could not be held captive by death, hell, or the grave. And instantly, they were all let out of their cells in Hades. And they came with him captive in his train. And on Sunday morning, their graves were all opened. And they were all seen alive according to Luke's report in Jerusalem. Can you imagine Abraham knocking on your door in that time? And you open. Who are you, sir? My name is Abraham. And you're in shock. And your fear gets you. And the first thing he says is fear not. And he sits down with you and shares with you the gospel that he received before Christ became incarnate. For the gospel was first preached to Abraham before any of us in this new age heard it. Galatians chapter 3 verse 7, 8, 9 it's written there for you. The gospel was preached to Abraham. Then Isaac and Jacob were right behind him. They had the patriarchs for dinner in their house perhaps And for 40 days, the saints of old were seen, and Christ was amidst. How would the faith of the first church, the early church, not be conk and strong? No wonder they would be dropping daily as martyrs, and yet those who remained alive would even get stronger, not weaker. Warn the devil and tell him, don't tear up the gift box, because you'll be opening up something you cannot handle. But Jesus now says, what I want you to do is believe on me. This is how you fight your battles. Not taking on your enemy, just believe in me. And all I say I am and all I say I can do. And all particularly that I have done on the cross of Calvary believe what that my birth and my origin are not the same believe what that i and my father we are one believe what that i have creator life in me believe what that god is in the son of man it begs the big question with which i try to run to my close matthew 16 the story begins in the 13th verse and jesus is with his 12 and he says to them in a query who do men say that i am what is public opinion about me And they said, well, some say you are John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah or or certainly one of those very esteemed fellows they call prophets. And they were being careful and somewhat tactful because they did not want to make him lesser than the prophets. But they were not ready to call him the Messiah. They were not ready to call him God in Christ. And notice that the question it was not him asking about his physicality. He said, who do men say that I am? He, in other words, who do men say Jehovah? Do you get it? He was playing on words. Say who do men say that I am? They said one of the prophets, and they named a few because he, he wept over Jerusalem, Jeremiah. Uh, he did things like Elijah, Elijah, he, 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 John the Baptist, they did all of that. He said, mm, I want to know how much popular opinion has affected your correct perception of me. Because if anybody who should know who I am, you should. I look at you, and when we talk perhaps 20 to 50 percent is larry but perhaps 50 to 90 percent is god and what i am to know of you is not the flesh but that which comes from your creator life do you get it i hope you do that's what matters yeah so the less of us you have the more of him you'll get You understand do you get it so here is Jesus he's saying who do men say that I am and they give him the popular opinion now he wants to know how much has popular opinion affected your perception of me and they are silent because to call him Messiah as far as the populace is concerned would be blasphemy that would be a serious crime for Jews That would be a very serious crime, not just a sin, a crime for the Jews. And Peter, in all boldness, says, I know you. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are very God of very God. You are Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus is astonished, but he's also delighted that he bursts into a proclamation of prophecy. And he says, my, my flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And stand, Felix. He says, you are a, a stone, a piece of the rock. Pet, Petros. And upon Petra, the rock, the revelation of the rock. you see me correctly. I will build my church and the attack of hell and the defense of hell will not be able to cope with what I'm building. In other words I am delighted because now I can start building because my team my head crew now have a revelation of who I am they know who I am that I'm not a prophet trying to create a school of prophets I am building the habitat of God into a cabinet of mankind a cabinet of man what do you put in cabinets your precious treasure What do you put in a cabinet, cabinet office? Ministers who have your mind, your vision, and your purpose. He said, now my purpose can be fulfilled because I can see that you have revelation of more than Mary's son. You have revelation of God the son. And hear this, Peter. Because you can tell me who I am, I'm going to give you keys. What keys? The key. To open the heavens, the keys to open up people to the heaven, populaces to the heaven, to open the heavens up to persons, peoples, and communities. So that where they could only operate on natural strength and natural power, they will now have supernatural ability. They will have creator life available to them, not just available to them, but available to live inside them. That's why when the deacons went and uh, they had a revival and people were born again, supernaturally, they had to call for the apostles so that they could come and release the spirit of God to be in them as a baptism. Hallelujah. I hope you're with me. Look at three or four people and ask them, do you have any idea what you're carrying inside you? What do you believe is in me? Do you believe in me merely as a prophet, as John the Baptist or Jeremiah or or Elijah? Peter, you are a rock in the whole system of the rock. And upon your revelatory knowledge of who I am as the creator, life I'm going to build my church on people who have that life flowing inside of them. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Let me explain to you what the keys of the kingdom are. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22. Isaiah 22 and 22. And look at what he says about Eliakim and the key of the house of David, I will lay upon Eliakim's shoulder. So Eliakim shall open and no one can shut. And Eli- Eliakim was shut and no one shall be able to open it. So he will open, no man can close, he will close, no man can open, hallelujah. He then says to Peter, when he's talking about the keys of the kingdom of heaven, he says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. That's the English read. It is not the Greek read. In the Greek read, the tense is past continuous. So whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven first. So you can only bind on earth as it is in heaven. If it is illegal in heaven, you can make it illegal here. If it is normal in heaven, you can make it normal here. That's all he's saying. Now, how do you know what is normal there? You will see into that realm because revelation knowledge, the spirit of wisdom and revelation will convey your understanding to live in that space. So that whilst you are here in this body, you can also bring that atmosphere to earth, which was always God's original plan, that Adam, your environment will be heaven on earth. Hallelujah to God. I feel it. Now let's go where we want to go. Who are you? Go with me to Colossians 1, verse 24, 25, 26, 27. Colossians 1:24 to 27. We now rejoice in my sufferings for you, that's Paul speaking, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for His body's sake meaning the mystical body, which is the church. Verse 25. Wherefore, I am made a minister according to this era, this dispensation of God, which is given to me for your sake to fulfill the message of Christ, the word of God. That's what that means. Even the hidden reality The mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now from that era of Paul's time and Jesus' time is made manifest to his saints, to the body of Christ. To whom God would make known, that's to you and I, what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among Nigerians, Europeans, Caucasians, Gentiles. That's the sons of Japheth and the sons of Ham, which is, what's the mystery? Now, if you don't believe that God is in Christ, you've missed it. The key thing Jesus said is you believe that God is in me, as the scriptures have said, Out of my belly to you will flow the rivers of water and the river doesn't flow to you it flows through you so as I flow you will also flow but the source must be Christological Christocentric must come originally from God in Christ to you and then through you and that's how it works now this is the power do you know what you are carrying do you have any idea what you have inside of you that when the kernel of wheat died it was the opportunity for that seed to produce many trees that would have many fruit to produce many more seeds to produce many more trees so there are 2.5 billion of us on the face of the earth just like Christ we can never be the original he is but we are his image and his likeness in plurality also So when they ask you, who are you? New creation. That means you cannot abrogate sin to me. You cannot reckon sin against me. It's not possible. Because all my sins have been taken away. And washed under the blood of Christ. As far as God is concerned. As far as you are concerned, you may still have that problem. But that's your problem, not mine. Hallelujah. My challenge is to continue to walk in Christ, not just have Christ. To walk in redemption, not just have redemption. Walk in the forgiveness of sins I have, not just have it. Hallelujah. That's new creation. How many new creatures do we have? You are the temple. You are the tabernacle of the holy God. What else are you? You are a son of God. Women, you're a son of God. It's not a gender issue, it's an inheritance issue. Because spiritually, there's nothing like male and female. In heaven, there's no man or woman. Everything is just spirit, hallelujah. You are a son of God, God, not my papa. That means when you deal with me, you're dealing with a very jealous father behind me. Jealous, capable. So don't mess with this, otherwise you're going to have to deal with my father. Hallelujah. Uh, you are the image and the likeness of God in your essence. Now, are you carnal? Or are you spiritual? Are you carnally minded? or Are you spiritually minded? As much as you have all this inside of you, if you are carnally minded, you're going to produce your created life. And that may be normal and good. If your created life is normal and good, you, you know, there are good Human beings from the old creation, good. Doesn't mean they'll get to heaven, but they're good. Yeah? And some of them are better than people who have the created life, or rather the creator life. You know why? Because many people who have the creator life on the inside, they had faith, but they never renewed their minds. So they have this huge dichotomy of difference between their creator life and their created life. So they live according to their created life and not according to their creator life. Hallelujah, you are the image and the likeness of God. You are his royal highness. Let's practice look for four or five people and say your excellency Your Royal Highness I think your name is the Earl of Old Ekoi the Viscount of Lagos Island The Duke of Leckie Peninsula That's who you are. You are a royal family friends. You are just like Christ How he was yes, but also, how he is now. You have the same invisible breath of divine life inside of you. You're a powerhouse. And you know the worst thing? Without revelation knowledge of this reality, you can have it and not know it. And therefore, live beneath your privilege, like it is written in Hosea 4:6, my people perish, or they lack, or they have not, because they do lack knowledge. So we start where? God is in Christ. And when they tore the gift wrap and the gift box up on the cross of Calvary, it released that creator life to no longer be singularly encapsulated alone in one kernel of wheat, but now to be spread abroad into as many as believe on him as the one who was God in Christ, so that they now are God in me, God in you, through Christ. That's the simplicity of the message. This is where you must be rooted. People who are rooted in these realities, the wind will blow and they will bend. But because the root is intrinsically grounded in Christ, the most that will happen is it will bend. In a strong wind, the top of the tree can break. But because of the root and its connection to Christ, it will grow back again. Did not Job say that in his surgeon and travel through the woods, he saw a tree stump that was completely driven down to the ground and it had begun to rot so that maggots and worms were beginning to issue forth from it. And he looked at it and said, there's no hope or help for this tree. Likewise, the enemy, having brought the tree down some time ago, would have felt finished and it's done and gone. What he does not know is that your power is not over the surface. It is under the surface. Your power is not in your fruit, it is in your root. That's where your strength is. Where are you rooted? Are you rooted in your church? That's not where you need to be rooted. Are you rooted in your family name? That's not where you need to be rooted. Are you rooted in how big your bank account is? That's not where your strength is because that can be wiped out in one civil war in one moment and you are gone. Where are you rooted? Nigeria is going to go through some significant challenges. And god will allow it and the church will seem like she's beaten down to a root but that is when the church is most dangerous you hear what i'm saying to you and he came back another day and he saw the same tree it had started to grow again with green shoots and a tree had begun again you know why because at the smell of water i hope that you have gotten water today so that dead dreams dead visions incapacitation things that you were looking at through a carnal eye through a natural eye you were not looking with the eye of Peter the eye of revelation you were seeing it wrongly those things will come back to life and God will have his way hallelujah and also your enemies your enemies they come because the feast is ready and our natural inclination is to operate from our created life when we see enemies And what does created life do? Revenge. What does creator life do? Small thing. Hallelujah. And you pick up your cutlery and you start eating. Your enemies are harmless to you. In fact, they are more good to you than harm. And when men operate from their created life against you, uh, get past it. As in, get past it. It's not easy, but get past it. Look at some, tell to get past it. Because what happens is their created life now drags you down into the same basic, base created life. And that's not where you're meant to live. You're meant to live above. Above, only, never beneath. Get that. When you open your Bible to read, don't read it from your created life. Read it from your creator life. Hallelujah. As you go out of the doors in a few moments... Something's going to happen to you. The fowls of the air are going to try to steal this seed, but they can't get it. You know why? We teach line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, till there's conceptualization. The seed has grabbed a hold and penetrated the egg in your womb of faith. And over the days, weeks, and months, and years, that seed will grow into a fetus till it changes your form. Hallelujah! And then you begin to flash. All of a sudden, you flash your eternal life, and you wonder, was that me? No, it wasn't you. It was the Creator life? You're just the vessel. And then the flashing becomes more and more. Then the flashing becomes lifestyle where you are just a shining light perpetually, you hardly turn it off except when you go to sleep. And even then, God will give you dreams at night. Hallelujah. So we have Christ. It's another thing to walk in him.